This podcast is brought to you by Shout Engine. In less than five minutes, you can start your own podcast for free with ShoutEngine.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to After Hours at the Hooniverse Podcast. I'm, as always, the legendary broadcaster Blake Zeron, and uh, Jeff Glucker is somewhere, uh, somewhere doing cool shit. We don't know what he's up to, man. Let that, let that freak flag fly, Jeff. Let that freak flag fly. And here we are with uh, Chris Hayes. Chris, how you doing? Yeah, I'm all Give right. Me disapproving nods the entire time. Disapproving? I don't know if they were disapproving. They were proving of some sort. Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, so we'll that's have like to. Barry White. That's as deep as I go. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to feed, feed in some soft jazz after the fact so it doesn't Dude. just come off as really weird and creepy. Oh, no, it's, it's silly weird and creepy. I mean, the rest of this podcast is going to be weird and creepy. Well, I mean, that's inherent when you just put the two of us on it. Damn right. Damn right. It's good to so, see you again, Chris. Likewise. It's been a little while since we've done a one-on-one. Yeah. So. This is nice. God, I can't stand this guy. Ugh. Yeah. God, it's fucking So, uh, did you get a crack at the Dine-In uh, 1M? Yes. You did. Did we talk about that a few episodes ago? I don't recall. All I know is that... Jeff is going to get one because he always follows me in press cars. Well, there is only one. That too. Uh, and Steve Dine-In promised it to us as well over right. at Smoking Tire, so I want my crack at it. It's so. a wonderful, wonderful car. Road and Track Story went up on uh, today. Ours will be going up either this week or next, mm-hmm. and uh, it it is awesome. I it really just to me it raises the capabilities of what a car can do really, because it's just the most freakishly agile car on the planet, and just tons and tons of power whenever you need it. But it's also very civilized. Well, the funny thing is, is like I was looking at. So I just read through uh, Jason Torchinsky's article and. As it turns out, some of the photography was done by an anonymous friend of mine who was a stunt driver. Uh, of course. And um, so that episode, you know, going through it, and the specs aren't crazy. It's 444 horsepower. But it's still a huge amount of power for that car. It is and it isn't. I mean, it's still a 3,000-ish pound car. So, I mean, it's, it's don't get me wrong, that's a very healthy amount of power, but it's not like crazy like some of the stuff it's that we get to tuner, differ with. It's not a tuner. What's, what's, what are some of the more insane BMW tuners? Harka? Well, AC no, Schnitzer. I mean, even Dynan is does do some crazy stuff, but it's they yeah. go up, you know, the scale goes up with the model number. Yeah, that makes sense, right? Because they have like five hundred horsepower M fives, but like seven hundred horsepower M fives. Yeah, and I think one of their one of their packages is close to seven hundred with the M five. Right, that makes sense. The Dynan the Dynan is great, and and he's a hell of a nice guy too. I've never met him, but I heard the yeah. podcast that Smoking Tired did, and he seems like serious business. He doesn't fuck around. No, no, he didn't. I mean, and that was. Uh, when we recorded that very shortly after, that was one of our most successful episodes. People love listening to that guy. Yeah, the BMW fanboys all went crazy. I was listening for it. to that on the way to Exotics Racing, which you had brought up a bit. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, should probably give them a uh, plug. Exotics Racing out of uh, Las people. Vegas. They run, they run a good show. Um, and uh, also out of Fontana, uh, California, at the Auto Speedway. Yeah, exactly. Just in a little parking lot next to the infield. I mean, Auto Club not, Speedway, not the infield, I say. but. Next, right by the entrance, and you can say hi to my former roommate, Sonny, who is an excellent driver. I mean, excellent driver, obviously, and an excellent instructor. Oh, I didn't know your friend was working there. Yeah, yeah. See, my friend Jen Nicole's actually running all the uh, the PR marketing stuff for them. Yeah, she's cool. So, so. Um, yeah, I'm going to do that on Saturday with the rest of the TST guys uh, and our buddy uh, Garnett Lee, who's uh, big in the gaming world, and he actually, has, and i got to give him a little bit of respect here, he is the number one gaming podcast on all of iTunes. What what's his game? It's called uh, Garnet on Games. No, what's his actual game? What does he play? Just anything? Or? Oh, any. It's it's not that he's a pro gamer. He reviews games like you do cars. Oh, okay. So see, that was my dream job as a as a kid because I I read a lot of Game Informer. 
Oh, and yeah. GamePro. I read a lot of GamePro. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. And Game Informer wasn't even a thing when I was a kid. Yeah, well, um, video games and computers weren't a thing when you were a kid. No, technology no, was weren't. not a thing. You were still uh, riding around on Flintstones cars. Yes, uh, yeah. actually, I had. Uh, I was one of the. I got one of the first Nintendos when they first came into the U.S. Nice. I was. I was one of those kids. I loved that thing to death. Hey, there's a bar in the Arts District that I went to a few weeks ago. That's a. Uh, it's a hipster dive, obviously, but it's um, it's brand new and it's just arcade cabinets across the entire bar, and then mm-hmm. they serve pretty good cocktails. Oh well, that they have like uh, a they bad, have like dig dug. They have some really really old school stuff, like obscure stuff. They have like a Iron Man Steward to- Toyota off road. I remember that game, which is awesome. They have um, they have dig dug, they have pull position, they have spy hunter, which ate up seventy five cents because it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Then they have another, another room full of pinball machines, which is cool. Because you don't really I see can pinball play pinball machines. all night long. I love pinball. Pinball's great. I was kind of hoping they would have some more modern stuff like Area Fifty One and Hydro Thunder. Oh. Yeah, and, and like modern in heavy USA. quotes there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Relatively modern. Twenty like years ago, you hydro. Know? No, not hydro. I just said that. Rush two hundred four nine cruising exotica. Oh yeah, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, that stuff. Anyway, um, back to BMWs because um, I had actually test drove the two twenty eight i. Ooh, how'd that go? You know, I really did not like that engine in the three twenty eight i, but it's a lot of fun in the two twenty eight. This one had the M package, so it looked a bit better, and it had um. Um, the big fat M steering wheel. It had the uh, different suspension, so it's dampers and springs, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a tidy little fun car. You can kind of feel it's a bit duller than the one M, but also the only one M I've ever driven, actually the only one series I've ever driven, has been the one M Dynan. So that's completely invalid on two counts. I've driven, so I've driven one one M before, and it was a 560 horsepower one M. Um, that right. was As almost. You do. Almost unusable. Well, yeah, it's like everything I drive it has to be for the most part over the top. Yeah, ridiculous. And that is uh, a ridiculous car. It is. It was a ridiculous car, and you couldn't get it to hook up anywhere. Didn't don't take that as it wasn't fun, but it was silly, overpowered. The uh, was it an engine swap? No, no, no. It was just boosted to hell with a turbo swap. Okay, because um, I've seen engine swapped one M's with like the V8 from the current last M3 and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, the dining car is great because you can you you can hit the traction control button once and leave it on ASR and it's not off because if if it's off it's undrivable and you'll die. But if you press it once, the tires will kind of wiggle out behind you as you're launching, and then you'll be like you'll be at like redline instantly, mm-hmm. and then you can feel it hooking up and then not hooking up and then hooking up and you'll just be going. And you have to shift like 18 times because you'll just be bouncing off the rev limiter because it revs so fast. Oh, it's very, very close ratios, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's one thing that kind of bugs me is like when you build a car like that, you then need to change the gear ratios because you're just going to blow through the gears so fast. When you up the power, I mean, that's over 100 horsepower more than it made stock. Yeah. So you can afford to go a little bit longer on those ratios and not have that, not be bouncing off the rev limiter. I mean, that's that's part of the fun and like... And, and driving some of the stuff that is a little higher, like a Viper or 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 nine eleven or like a Vet or something, where that first gear can go all the way up to like sixty. Yeah, like especially in the Vet. Yeah, you know it's 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 good fun, and there's no reason not to when you have that level of power. Yeah, exactly. But uh, that being said, I'm very much looking forward to getting a crack at that that one series M. It's awesome. So you drove the two twenty eight, right? Yeah. What, did they give you the automatic or did they give you the manual this time? They. Don't you're not even supposed to say manual at a BMW dealership anymore. They'll just look at you like you're a crazy person. See, like, this is this is bothering the me. Is, and they can order one for you. That's the thing. Right. 
Yeah, but, but if they no, sorry to cut you off, but I was yeah. talking to them and they were saying like if they ever do get like someone orders a manual and then it's a non-refundable deposit because if they renege on that delivering on that manual, then BMW has a car they cannot sell. Like the dealership will will not be able to sell that manual, not even to enthusiasts because we always talk about manuals and we never buy them. Except me, both of my cars are manuals. Right. Well, that's true, but like we're not gonna go out and buy a BMW the next day because we're all poor. Uh, I You're might. not poor. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm poor. I would, I, you know, that's the thing that bothers me, though, is that every single review I've seen of the 2 Series thus far has been an automatic. They're not handing out manuals to anybody. You can get an M235 with the manual. Are they? Do they have a press car that's out as a manual? No, probably not. BMW's getting rid of their manual press cars, but... yeah. You can order one. You know, you kind of take yeah, comfort in knowing that you can order one. That's my point is, is how how are we supposed to make a decent evaluation of whether or not this is a good product when they're not going to have one on a dealership, you know, on the lot to test drive, and there are no reviews of manual units out there, but they still want to sell them. Problem is, though, if we do a review of a manual, like, it's a decent product, but we're reviewing a product that basically no one's going to buy. Almost. I no would argue on the 235 it makes sense because there is a very – a lot of people that are going to go after the 235 – are going to have the interest in that. Because otherwise, if your average consumer just wants a fun little BMW, then they're probably going to get the 228 with the automatic. And, and the 8-speed's great. The eight yeah, yeah, it's really the 8-speed ZF. And for, by all accounts, everybody said it's a pretty, you know, I, I've driven that transmission in a million other cars, not in that car specifically, and it's always pretty good. But it's still, given what that 235i is kind of, squared off at for the market segment like i'd like those, to see them provide at least one manual like for us and, test. and stuff yeah 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 and um bmw does do great manuals i drove i drove my buddy's uh, e36 m3 mm -hmm. recently and the manual action it's it's kind of it's very springy and it's not brittle it's not you know mechanical feeling where you kind of feel like you're slotting in in completely but it kind of springs in place yeah and um BMW hasn't changed that shifter feel in generations. It's the same as an E34 I drove. It's the same in a 1M, and it's probably going to be the same in the 235i. Right, and, and you know, and I love the manual transmission, but I'm you know I'm fine with it so long as they provide a nice dual clutch as an option. Right, and they are doing that in the upper level BMWs. I'm just wondering when that that'll actually end up coming down to the uh, two series as well. Yeah, I keep wanting to call it the one series. Yeah. They um they just sold a 135i the dealership I went to so yeah they were very nice um yeah I, I really I really want you know that is an investment right there is if you can buy a one series M now right that is a of car course. you hang on to because the they apparently the grand total for the imports in the U S was 936 I think less no it was 936 total for the U S market I thought and it was 740. Well, maybe you're the also including were, Canada. You're also including Canada. Yeah, they imported 240 to Canada and around 740 to America and worldwide. I think it wasn't that much. No, it was only like a couple thousand they built. Yeah, that car has not lost its value at all, and it will. No, no, no. They're value. actually more expensive now than they were when they came out. Exactly. Your yeah. average used one now is going for about 60 grand for a car that retailed for starting at 42 or 44. So I think it was. Yeah, I think 50. I think it was 50. Yeah, I, realistically, car. it was going to be fifty, but I think the base was like forty-two or forty-four. I because I was, I was strongly considering buying one. You know, when they were out, when they had first had been announced, and for whatever stupid reason, I didn't do it, and I kind of kicking myself now that I didn't. So, right. yeah, such is life. 
in other news, oh, oh spe- you know, well, it's a good segue. What's that? Speaking of cars that are going to hold their value, mm-hmm. Mitsubishi Evos, maybe, because they're not going to make them anymore. Yeah. This news came out a few days ago, but it still counts as the worst April Fool's prank on the planet because of the fact that it's real. Well, it's the only thing that, that Mitsubishi makes that's worth buying. Yeah, period. And even that's somewhat arguable given the inflated price for the quality of the product. I've driven it. It's definitely it's not an easy car to drive. I would argue that I think I personally find it to be a very easy car to drive, but maybe it just suits my driving style better. It's I find it to be where you you kind of like you get into understeer, then you get an oversteer, and in the middle you get into the massive amounts of boost. And then yeah, it is. It's very tricky. It's an exercise right. in throttle management. That yeah, exactly. is for damn sure. Um, that being said, you know, I've owned a few turbo cars, so, and one that was ridiculously modified, so I kind of got a feel for that, and I could see where, like, if you're not used to that and dealing with that, it could be a handful. If you're moving up from, like, a GTI or even a Miata, you know, and you're like, oh, well, I kind of want some, I got, I got a bit of cash, I think Corvettes are for chumps, no offense, and, um... I want something Japanese and fast and, you know, blah, blah, blah. A lot of kids will like it these days. Youths. So, um, you know, you get it to an Evo and then you got to be careful because it's not that easy to drive. You'll get the hang of it after, like, probably even a week, you know, less than a week. But on that test drive, don't don't push it. And my biggest problem with the Evo is, you know, it's always – they have probably the best – up until, you know – like the last year or two where like Porsche's all wheel drive system has gotten ridiculously good again. Right. And, um, you know, maybe like the R like Audi, Audi is probably about on par with what Evo was doing, but the Evo drivetrain was so far ahead of what everybody else was doing with all wheel drive systems that the Subaru and for decades. Yeah. It, the Subaru still hasn't caught up to it. It's still not in the same league as an Evo's uh, yeah. all wheel drive system. Hmm. Um, as much as I like the Subaru, it's, it's, Mitsubishi worked magic out of those cars. And yeah, those engineers deserved all the raises they got. The problem was is that they came out with the Evo 10, they bumped the price to about 40 grand, and then when you look at the build quality of the car, you go, this is not worth 40 grand. It really does feel like a car that you would have built in your backyard because like everything squeaks, the suspension's rock hard, the turbo boost is it's it's not an easy car to drive around every day because the turbo boost just comes on and it's very peaky. Yeah, very yeah. peaky, and um, it gets fourteen miles per gallon. Right. Which these days, where every car is a four cylinder turbo, that's a little insane. Yeah, but they're not you, tuned that aggressively either. But you know, it yeah. should do better than that. I agree with you on you that. You think front. you think if Mitsubishi just had another generation to catch up to now, like the drivetrain is great, the powertrain, you know, and then like the suspension, and just bring that up to like another generation. I think of refinement. That- the like, yeah. drivetrain, everything, you know, everything mechanically is perfectly fine. I think the biggest problem with that car was... The Lancer. Well, not even so much that. I mean, the Lancer is what it is. It's a cheap car. But when it comes to the Evo and they start doing things like... The best example I have of the lax quality in the Evo build is the fender vents on the fr- over, behind the front wheel arches. Okay. They... Literally look as though a strong gust of wind could blow them off. Right. Uh, and the plastic is so cheap, it, it will flex if you just poke it. Um, and when you see that, and like, people even complain about the interior. I don't even find the interior that appalling. The interior's not that bad. It's, it's not great. It's what, you get. it's what you expect. It's, it's you know, it's like, it's like 
buying a C6 vet. Cars of that era, you know, right. they weren't they look really bad now, but when they came out in the early and mid 2000s, they were acceptable. You know, they weren't great, but they were okay. Actually, the Evo's interior is not even that bad. It's design, it's functional. It's yeah. designed. It design isn't even that bad either. It's, the seats are awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, they are. It, it's a it's a very good car with shoddy surroundings. Right. Exactly. Um, and it's unfortunate it's going away. And I think this will be the end of death species. Yeah, this will absolutely be the end. At because least in the U.S. market. What are we replacing it with? The Mirage. Which I liked, but come on. I don't think anybody's going to care about replacing it. I think the fact that there is not a single compelling product I can think of from Mitsubishi. Mitsubishi is a case study. Yeah, Mitsubishi is a case study of how a brand can squander its own reputation and brand equity within the last 15 years. Well, even in the last five years. Yeah. I mean, they used to at least have a reputation for putting together sturdy little trucks. Right. Um. But that's long and since being gone. kind of different from the norm, kind of like where Mazda is now, where you don't yeah, really want to record a really, camera. Yeah, they really get a gun, a I decent mean, galant. Th- from a technology standpoint, they built some really good stuff. But ever since they split off from the whole DSM agreement, right? You know, w- with, when they were working with with uh, Chrysler. Chrysler, that's the, they've they've had a hard time since. And right. uh, I think I give them about three years in the U.S. market, and then they'll be gone. That's being generous. It takes time. Look how long look look how long Suzuki strung along. It's just depressing. Honestly, or even Mitsubishi's it, reason was to focus on SUVs yeah. and electric cars because this, it's the year two thousand four and they just discovered SUVs. I think the whole idea of focusing on SUVs and crossovers at this point is it's such a moot it's point. So stupid because you're you're going after where the market was looking at seven or eight years In ago. In two thousand four, right. And quite frankly, I think I'm seeing people buy more sedans now than I am seeing people buy crossovers. Compact like, crossovers, at least. Or compact crossovers right. that are basically just slightly lifted hatchbacks. How many Endeavors do you see? Come on. Endeavor, you don't. Ugh, you don't. Oh, man. And but they still have the Montero. My uncle had a 95 Montero with the cool like three-instrument cluster in the middle okay. that saw how – like what angles you were at and everything, it was rad as hell. And then, like they made that Montero in America, at least they sold it in America till like 2006 or something. Like if they brought ba- that back, it'd be kind of interesting. But like, it really you really just have to look at Mitsubishi's like lineup outside of America and then look at it here it's, and see what you can bring. You know, it's Mitsubishi is like it's one of those brands that in countries where you really where they've got a shitty economy you don't and generally the government is falling apart, Mitsubishi does exceptionally well. Um, so maybe it's a bad sign if Mitsubishi does well in America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If Mitsubishi, Thanks, Obama. If Mitsubishi's doing well in your country, it might be – it might portend th- things that are going to be going I think wrong. we just hit upon a new economic index, the Mitsubishi index. The Mitsubishi factor. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah. we got we got to call Robert Reich over here. It's an, inverse, uh, it's an inverse proportion to your economic prosperity. Yeah. You're, if your GDP is doing shitty, your Mitsubishi is doing great. Yep. All right. So enough shitting on Mitsubishi, I suppose. Yeah. So uh, what else is uh, what else have you been driving as of late? Do you know what I've been driving this week? No, I have no idea to be honest. Jeep Wrangler Dragon Edition. Oh, you got the Dragon Edition. I have edition. the Dragon Edition. Oh my oh, god, it is so embarrassing. I don't. I've never driven a Wrangler, driven a Wrangler before, and you know I'm just like eh, I don't want to drive this around every day. But I can. I could. I mean, it's like driving it's a small a car truck. that has a purpose, it's, and that yeah. purpose is not in Los, not in Los Angeles. Yeah. 
It's like it's driving. It's like driving a small, kind of crappy truck from five years ago. It's 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 like driving a Toyota Tundra, a new Toyota Tundra. It's just really crude, but it's you can do it every day. It, it's not like it punches you in the face. It's every not time a you get bad anywhere. car. It has a very specific purpose yeah. of if you live in Utah and Moab and you want to go climb shit all day. If you live in West Hollywood, if you or, look fabulous in it. Yeah, but yeah. the Dragon Edition. Oh, why? You know, I was in Austin. And I saw one. Like someone bought one and drove it to the Whole Foods in Austin. Voluntarily, people are buying these vehicles. One person. And okay, I, so you've actually got a little more insight into what this would be because your parents are from China. Well, I'm from China. Oh, you were born, born China, there. That's yeah. right. I I am Chinese. So you get, and this is the most Asian thing I've ever done in my life is driving a Dragon right. Edition. So you would have a better. I mean, just via like family right, so, and so like a thing you in understand China, some yeah. of the culture. Influence. There's a thing in China called Tuhao, which is an expression that means just gaudy, gaudy uh, expressions of wealth. Like, it's like nouveau riche, really. Okay. And it's an expression that caught on recently because China really hasn't had that much time to get into being gaudy and rich. But this is like, like gaudy, like Tuhao usually means like, you know, just put gold on it, gold wrap it, gold leaf it, gold dragons on it. And this dragon, this wrangler, this is, is their time of, this is them. their time of Gatsby. This, yeah, exactly. This is their time of just like five years ago when everyone was still going to DJ Tiesto concerts. Yeah. That sort of bullshit. And this, this Wrangler is – I don't know how it's doing – frankly, I don't know how well it's doing in China or how well Jeep is doing in China. I know Jeep has a cult following there. You know, Beijing Jeep has been tied with them since the 70s and they've been building like Cherokees under license, like the old Cherokees. Mm-hmm. And they've been doing very well for themselves. Well, I don't know how well the – the Dragon Edition, it pisses me off on a fundamental level because it's like Portlandia where it's like, put a bird on it. Yeah. So in China, it's put a dragon on it. There's an Aston Martin Dragon Edition. But There's would a that BMW be... Dragon okay. Edition. So as appalling as that Dragon Edition here in the States is, given the cultural significance of dragon of dragons in art and everything in culture and it's history super and all tacky. that stuff, it's like going it to would Walmart. even be super tacky there. It's super tacky there. It's like okay. driving around in a Yakuza nightclub designed okay. by the Rush Hour like the set designer for Rush Hour. Okay, it's so like it, it's like yeah. if you just painted everything in bald eagles. If you went to Walmart, you bought <laughs> you, a bunch you of seven dollars t-shirts people that say these country, colors don't run. People in this country drive around in trucks and vans painted with bald eagles, like a badge of fucking honor. You know, it I, might be. A I badge wouldn't. Of honor, I certainly wouldn't. But I guess this is the Chinese equivalent of that jackass, I, right? Exactly. 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 Okay. And um, you know, I think the best thing to illustrate about this Wrangler was I was on a four hundred five and I saw this like kind of. Uh, silver silver Jeep Wrangler four door, and I was like, "Oh, that's a pretty cool Wrangler." I drove next to it, Call of Duty edition. Oh yeah, I've seen yeah. a few of those. At least that's not as egregious with the branding. No, it doesn't have four fucking dragons on it. This thing has actually six. There's one on the wheel cover, one wrapping around the door to the hood, and then there's one on the gauges, one on the grab handle, and then there's like two on the seats. Yeah, it's like a. Fucking I mean, dragon I've been harem. in that thing because. Uh... You know, our our compatriot Zach Clapman had one. Yeah, he uh, drove me here for a, a podcast. While ago. In it. Yeah, and I, you know, I when I looked outside of that thing, I just went, "Wow, that's the most racist vehicle ever built." It is racist. It's it's like if he did a Jeep in blackface, you know, and but for Chinese people. And but. to say that that's the most vehicle ever, you know, racist vehicle ever built, you have to remember, Hitler had bespoke cars. I don't think it's so much racist as it is just like. Just trying way too hard to do. Like, I want to see the day when Geely comes to America with a Toby Keith edition bald eagle thing, and it'll be fucking excellent. Like, oh, yeah, we totally know these Americans. It's the same, you know, it doesn't matter where you are. There are assholes and idiots in every country. 
Yeah, I don't know. I want to know what the take rate on the Dragon Edition is. It's a $4,500 package. You know what, though? Smart on them, because they put $200 worth of crap into it, and it's a $4,500 package. Honestly, the, the Dragon decal on the hood looks like it came off the neck of a Russian prisoner. Like, it's that tattoo design. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, their, uh, it's their fire chicken. Gross. Don't insult the glory and majesty of the fire chicken by comparing the dragon to it. <laughs> I'd rather have a fire chicken. On Maybe it. that's it. We gotta have we we need to put something together with the decals fighting. I'd other. rather have a Davis Gremlin Levi's edition. Yes. You know what? I've been driving today. Actually, this was dropped off to me today, and I really like it. What's that? Infinity Q70s. How's that going? It's it's the M56. And actually, if you think about it, the M50, it used to be the M56 because it had a 5.6 liter V8. Mm-hmm. Now it's a Q70, and that represents a fundamental shift in the fact that luxury companies are now blatantly lying to us. Look oh, at the, look at the yeah. Mercedes 63 numbering. You're, you're, you're preaching to the choir here, man. Yeah. I, I have been so just not pissed, but like just annoyed by this. And it's just like the numbers at one point actually meant, meant something. something, and now nothing. Yeah. Um, like, you have two engines for the 3 Series BMW. You might as well call it the 3 Junior and then the 3 Senior and really appeal to that vanity. And also, you might get some customers to really, really stretch their lease terms to a 3 Senior if you do that. Or you just call everything the 69 because people like to laugh at the number 69. Yeah, or the 420. Yeah, there you go, the BMW 420. Mm-hmm. That actually might be a thing. That, that the 320 Coupe. Yeah, there could be. Yeah, you're good point. Although I don't think they would because the four series is slightly more expensive. So, yeah, but the four twenty, four twenty i some hilarious. Yeah, the four twenty i that'd be great. <laughs> comes oh, with excellent window seals for boxing ability. <laughs> <laughs> it comes with six ashtrays <laughs> <laughs> and you know, HEPA filters all around. You know that little like six, you know that little cup holder thing insert they place. It's like a. It's like a little thing that you place over the cup holder if you don't want to use the cup holders. Yeah. You can fit a grinder right in there. Ah, yeah, yeah. Or, or it's probably, you know, the cup holders, instead of big gulps, they just hold bongs. Yeah, everything, every BMW is painted ganja green. The BMW 420, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what the S letter S drive would... for smoke it up drive. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. There you go. 420 blaze it back. <laughs> when did this turn into the smoke entire podcast? Oh, God damn it. We are right. We have been gone so many tangents. Yeah. Anyway, the Q70 is nice. I really like it. It's very smooth. It's a very smooth drivetrain. I've always liked the M classes in the uh, the Infinity lineup. I've never they, driven one, but it's, I'm impressed. They're just, they're not. I mean, it's not like they're leading the class or anything. They were just kind of a nice little different car. It was, yeah. you know, f- the first one was awesome because it was just like. Fuck it, we're just gonna build like a like a Buick GSX. Yeah, their very first one that they built was kind of over the top. Yeah. They kind of, I think they were going for the LS four hundred thing of let's just go way over with it and uh, see what comes of it. But it's um, funny you mentioned the LS four hundred. I drove a ninety three recently. Yeah, and they hold together pretty well, don't they? This one had seventy thousand miles on it, and wow. it was incredible. It is that's the, really low mileage. People drive those for like four or five hundred thousand miles. It is the quietest, one of the quietest cars I've ever driven. The transmission is imperceptible, and the AC blows ice cold at the figures, and it's it's very slow. It's slower than I thought it'd be. Yeah, it's it's not a light car, and that's a V8 that only makes about two hundred horsepower. Yeah, the transmission, um, tra- yeah, the transmission's great. The throttle response is, you know, it's like it's on eco mode all the time. Although to be fair, it did have the ECD power thing, which I didn't discover until I gave it back to my friend. Yeah, and then um, it rolls a lot because it, in that sense, it's slow and it rolls a lot, so it feels like an old car, but it's smooth and it's quiet, just like a new car. 
And you can tell how many minds this would have blown back in 1989. Yeah, I mean, it, this was a car that that shit all over the best that Mercedes and BMW had yeah. at the time. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and and they were, they were, I mean, they, things weren't of the quality that we're used to now. But you get into the LSs still, and it doesn't feel like an ancient car. I mean, it has body roll and it's slow, but it has the door slam well. The build quality the is gauges similar are really cool. to that There's of, that of a new luminescent car. gauges. Yeah, yeah. And then it's, it's got the Nakamichi sound system, which is pretty great. Actually, this one had the Pioneer, so. Ah, I I, I didn't even know there were special sound systems for the Nakamichi designed systems, especially for the LS. So uh, okay, so yeah, I mean they're 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 cool. Cars. I I actually kind of kicked myself a few years ago when I um was looking for just a cheap daily driver. I uh, turned one of those down in 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 favor of a little pickup that I thought I was going to throw my bikes in, and little did I know that truck was going to fall apart. What um, truck was it? Uh, it was a Mazda B2300. Oh, right, right. It was a. Those are the Rangers, but they had rust problems, right? Uh, well, they're all Ranger. I mean, it's all the same thing. Right. Uh, the motor just shit. Everything in that car broke. I'd fix yeah. it, and the next thing would break. That sucks. Yeah, you should have so. got the LS. Yeah. You should have thrown your bikes in that, and no one would have cared. Yeah. Because you know how much my friend paid for his? 70,000 miles on it. Three grand. That's it? Yeah. I would have bought one right now for three grand. I went on Craigslist right now. There's like 250,000 mile ones selling for 2,200. Yeah. Yeah, my friend's very. You got good a at, very good deal. I actually kind of want to buy my girlfriend an LS just because, because I'm like, hey, honey, you got a luxury car, and I only <laughs> spent like nothing on it. Yeah, I spent uh, like a month's paycheck on it. I think that uh, you know that's major bonus points if you buy your girlfriend a Lexus. She yeah. need not know that you only spent three thousand dollars. Oh, on of it, course. But you I know. should get her an SC four hundred because it's the same drivetrain, but it looks cooler. Yeah, it's not. Although bad. it does drive differently, I had I, my friend with the E thirty six drove both back in the day, mm-hmm. and the SC is a bit more sportier. It's not as floaty and everything, but you know you kind of expect that. I was kind of like the IS three hundreds, the first one. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean that because after that became the IS three fifty and or, yeah, the, and so on, so on. the the two fifty is like it's a crappy V six. Doesn't get good gas mileage. It's tiny. But it's I like slow. the 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 IS three hundred. The first generations of the ISs. I mean that car weighs nothing. It's got the naturally it's, aspirated version of the super uh, the super motor. Um, it's good looking. It's a good looking car, and that car is very very moddable. Um, yeah. That is that is a very much. Plus a the Japanese car. had an insane engine for that thing. Yeah, the Japanese market had that insane like eight thousand RPM engine or whatever. Yeah, which is uh, which is very amusing. You know what I see all the time on my side of LA. What's the that? Sport Cross, the hatchback, no, the the wagon IS three hundred. I almost I, never see those. That's an incredibly rare. I see like two a car. day. It's nuts. I also live in Sawtell, which is basically Japanese people central. That would be a good reason why. Yeah, but yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah, I bet you if I went directly east of here to Deep Torrance, I'd probably see them more because that's all Japanese as well. Driving toward the headquarters, yeah. It's funny you get into you get in there and like all the buildings start looking like to- like Tokyo. Because yeah. it is all Japanese businesses that set up shop there. Yeah, but Sawtell, where I live, it's a ten minute walk, and it's the best Japanese food on the planet. It's real outside of Japan. <laughs> I was it, gonna say. Yeah, they call it Little Osaka, which is cute because there's Little Tokyo, but it's like just plazas of like really great Asian food. There's like great tofu and like pho and Chinese steamed dumplings and everything. We are really getting onto our tangents. Oh yeah, yeah, here. we are. And also, I'm hungry, so. Yeah. Uh, so is there anything else that we need to hit on for – I mean the news is yes, a little old light cars. right now. old cars. Oh, yes, old cars. Because I just bought an old motorcycle. Of course That's you did. That's not an old motorcycle. What would you buy? It's a 2011 mm-hmm. Moto Guzzi V7 Classic. 
Wow. Zach gets so mad at me because I bought something that's old, uh, that's new but looks old because I'm just such a shameless hipster. But honestly, I um, I think it's the best of the retro bikes. I rode it against a Bonneville a while ago. The Bonneville is incredibly quick. It pulls like a locomotive, but it's 100 pounds heavier than the Goodsy. <laughs> and I fit better on the Goodsy. And... You know, people go off about character and soul and all that bullshit, but the Goodsy feels so much cooler. You know? It sounds awesome, too, by the you way. You have all the amenities of a modern bike with the reliability of an old one when you buy a Moto Guzzi. Exactly. Hey, you know what the best part of this bike is? <laughs> Had its major service 100 miles ago. Okay. But I bought it from a dealer, and they haven't delivered it to me yet because it won't idle. So I have to fix that before they deliver so it to you're me. Cro- that is perfect. Your new bike is broken before already. you receive it. My new it. bike is already broken. This is great. Hey. That's fine Italian motoring tradition. Oh, because I wanted a reliable motorcycle, but reliability is for chumps. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, this bike sounds awesome. It's light. I fit on it really well. You twist the throttle and the entire bike pulls to the right. The brake, the front brake is kind of not great. I mean, it doesn't feel that great. <laughs> the clutch is kind of stiff, but man, I don't care. It looks the way I think a motorcycle I, I, they're, they're cool bikes, and you know, some of the old cafe racer stuff, is, is some of the stuff that looks like old cafe racers is, has its appeal. Um... But yeah, I, I as as cool as some of the Motoguzzi stuff is, is I don't think I'd be buying an Italian bike outside of an Aprilia. No, I don't blame you. I mean, you know, I could have bought a CB five hundred F and like enjoyed motorcycling, but I think this is gonna be fun. I think it's gonna be an adventure. Then again, what what do I have to say on the matter? I like British bikes. So Well I do too. I mean I you know, I really like the Bonneville, but I see like I see five this is really gonna sound hipster, but I see five Bonnevilles a day. I've seen three Motoguzzi's last year. See, my bike is the the Speed Triple. That's I love the Speed Triple. Speed Triple is a very very. I would bike. love to get a like a slightly used two thousand eight Street Triple R with the six seventy five Daytona motor and the twin round headlights. Yep, that's one of my dream bikes. And yeah, yeah, that's the uh, that's the is that the one from Mission Impossible? Yeah, but um, the Mission Impossible one's really old, obviously, because yeah. this movie is really old. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, basically. Yeah, because I think. Yeah. Uh, okay, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, uh, the Street Triple R looks like the Speed Triple R, just a smaller motor. It's true, and it's more balanced, I guess. Um. So, what's what else is out there that's kind of cool right now? Um. So the new the new Turbo is making its round amongst the journalists. Have you gotten a crack at it yet? Nine Eleven Turbo. Yeah. No, not yet. Um. I think I'm gonna get to drive it this weekend. Nice. Um. Because Exotics Racing just got one. So. Oh, I'm... they have a nine ninety seven. Last time I was there, I bet they have a nine ninety one now. Uh, I they I literally saw a thing where they just bought one the other day. Okay, um, so I'm hoping I get a crack at They're that. They're getting a bunch of Huracans in June or July, which Ooh, is nuts. I'm very much looking forward to that car. Yeah, um, they're getting like a ton in for both locations. Speaking of that, so we've got the we've got the Hurricane, and I refuse to call it the Huracan because it's just so close to Hurricane. Right. I'm gonna just call it Herman Hurricane. Kane? Uh, no, not the Herman Kane. Right. I, I no, then I, yeah. I I wouldn't like the car. Um, then it'd get all grabby to you. Yeah, yeah. get all grabby and then try to sell you shitty pizza. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's actually very two very Italian things right there: crappy pizza, good pizza, crappy pizza, and grabbiness, and, and and light molestation. Yes, exactly. Hey, it is the he. Who would have thought Herman Cain is the spirit of Italy? That's eerie. <laughs> That's great. I'm gonna sell my moto goodsy. I feel kind of dirty. <laughs> so the hurricane, like. I am very much looking forward to driving that car. I am an unabashed fan of Lamborghini. Me too. Um, I really like Lamborghini. The Aventador, I drove that, and it was otherworldly. It's like no other driving experience on the planet. I didn't get to drive it because it broke. Oh, of uh, course. Um, 
and not because it was the car's fault, because it had been used for filming that day and was it was was it used the Matt Hera special? Yeah, it was. It was. They had done a bunch of launches to get it on film earlier in the day, and it just didn't like that. Oh, of course. Um, under normal circumstances, I don't think it would have broken in that manner. Right. But you know, this well, is what happens when you're trying to film. I don't stuff. really do burnouts anyway, so yeah. Uh, yeah, I've never been a burnout guy myself. It's right. just like, oh, there goes very expensive tires. Yeah, that's um, exactly. I'd exactly. rather drive quickly. Yeah. Um, yes. But the Hurricane is looking very, very cool. To me, that's a lot more appealing car than the Aventador is. Oh, of course. You know, I like the Gallardo a lot. I drove the... Yeah. Hey, do you call it the Gallardo because you're no. so hung up on Huracan? No, it is the it is Gallardo. Okay. Um, just because Gallardo just sounds retarded. Yeah, you sound like an idiot. But Huracan also has the accent over the A, so Huracan. Yeah. It's it's just one of those ones. It's so close to the English spelling. I'm just going to go with Hurricane. Um, and does it actually mean Hurricane in Italian? Yeah, it does. Because I thought they named it after some bull. They do, but it, it also means Picasso hurricane. or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you get that, and then of course we have the Audi R8 coming on that platform now too. Right. That has now some videos have made them way their no way online. No manual this time. I'm not uh, surprised. No manual. That doesn't. Well, that doesn't surprise me at all yeah. in that car because apparently the take rate was incredibly low on the manual. But still, gated shifter, man, that's cool. Yes, so and cool. that's why I very much want to buy a used R8 over the course of the next year. I would totally do that. Um, and. I think that so. We're Actually, seeing... Chris, you know, I gotta say, what's that? You have the means to like buy a, like a one M and like one R eight, but you need to do this as a public service to anyone that's ever wanted to drive one of these cars but hasn't, or at least to your friends. Okay. Where it's like, oh man, where am I ever gonna get a chance to drive a manual R eight? Oh shit, Chris just bought one. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Oh yeah, I fully intend on it. I mean, yeah. it, it, it'll depend on what the availability is. Like, if the difference is between a one, you know. Uh, an R8 that's that's had the snot beaten out of it and is a manual versus one that's a dual clutch, you know, the second generation dual clutch that was very well taken care of, I'll get the well taken care of one. Right. Um, it, it, and, you know, and beggars can't be choosers when it comes to the used car market, but I'd, right. I'd very much prefer to buy a manual. Just Unless you want to hold out for who knows how long. Well, I think and that car... And the longer car, you wait, yeah, the more I, you get beat up. When I look at stuff that, that's a, that is in that price range, and, and it's expensive, but it's not like end-of-the-world expensive. It's like a good used R8 is between eighty and $90,000. Right, exactly. Um, you know, and that's... I'm not going to lie. That's a lot of money, but... Once again, it's not like the two hundred grand you'd spend on a new Porsche Turbo. Right, it's approachable, relatively approachable. When you're right, just at the we're class. talking. I mean, you're coming talking, from a Corvette. It's six money, you know. And a Corvette new was is like less less than that. Yeah, it's, it's like less, less than, than that. that. Right. I mean, um, I mean, it's not as expensive as that. But I mean, you're going to sell your Corvette. It's not cheap. No, I'm going to keep the Corvette. The way I look at these things now is like if I'm going to buy something that's that expensive, and that I'm not going to drive on a regular basis, I want to buy something that is probably not going to lose a lot of value. Yeah. And I think if I buy a manual transmission R8, first gen, I think that 20 years from now, that could be a very valuable car. That's kind of why I bought the Goodsey over to Bonneville as well, because of its huge rarity. Well, and that's 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 something that I think should be considered when you look at this stuff, is that if you're not going to put a ton of miles on it, you're not going to daily it, and you're probably going to just keep it in a garage for a long, long time, Consider where you think the thing's going to be as far as value goes. And this is really the first time in my life I've ever considered this because I've always intended to keep drive it's, the Miata to the ground and keep it till. Because I'm you're dead. no longer a child, like thank and you, you, and you're, and you I'm know. no longer a hopeless romantic that thinks every vehicle I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep forever. Right. right. Until you, you'll get to a certain point, and then you go, ah, it's not worth it to me to sell these cars anymore. And that's what I'm doing with the vet. Is it's like for what I paid for it and the time and the energy I put into that car, right. chances are 
it's not going to be ever. It's not really ever going to be worth it for me to sell that car. Right. Same because it's going to be a pittance that I get back comparatively. Yeah. And like you always think, oh yeah, I'll be you know with all the tasteful mods I've been doing to it, I can sell it for you know no. what I mods add no, no value nothing. to a vehicle. I've already sunk. I calculate everything today. I I've sunk as much money on the Miata as I've spent buying the Miata. So I'll tell you, I was which looking, isn't much in both cases, but it's interesting. I was looking, you know, and I'm like, I said, it's a little ways out that I'm going to be buying one of these. But I was looking at used R rates on eBay the other day, and the the price differential between, so get this, it was a fully modded out R8 V8 with the Stasis supercharger and all their nice stuff and like an Akrapovich exhaust on it. Wow! And it was for eighty six grand, and it had I think it was it's something like twelve or thirteen hundred miles on it. And then another one that had 15,000 miles on it was like $84,000. And it had no modifications. And what, what's that like? 35 grand in mods, isn't it? Oh, more than that. Probably oh. almost 50. Jeez. So, I mean, the supercharger kit alone on that car is like $25,000. Okay. Um, so that just goes to show you modifications don't factor into used vehicles with the very with some very rare exceptions of maybe like a stasis gtr or something like that or a schweitzer or like period mods from like the 60s yeah and even then it's like a rare shit you're paying for the convenience you're not paying for the full retail value of the parts oh i meant like at like auctions if like John von Neumann bored out your tr250c testarossa yeah if you had something like like bruce meyer has if you had something like that, but I mean, if you're getting an off-the-shelf part and bolting it onto a car, the most that you're going to be able to command is a little bit of a premium just for the labor that we went into doing it so somebody else doesn't have to do it. Right, exactly. It's... And you have to find the guy that wants exactly those mods or th- no, thinks you've done a good job that fits in the lo- Exactly. Like that R8, had I had the money today, I would have bought that thing sight on scene because it was, you know, 1,200 miles. Everything I would have done to the car to modify Exactly, it, yeah. And I would have been done. And that's actually, if you're ever looking at buying a modifier, you know, if you're ever considering buying a car to go, I'm going to modify it to do this and do that, go see if you can find somebody that's already done all the mods and is selling the thing used because you're going to save a ton of cash. Yeah. But also, conversely, if you want to start from scratch, you want to get a good baseline for what the car feels like without mods. So I suppose you could, in that yeah. case, you could just find a car that just drives around for a bit. Like a friend has a car. Yeah, yeah. you know, and it's all it it all comes down to like personal experiences and everything. But I mean, you and I are in in a a, a rare situation, and we get to drive a lot of different things. So, for us to just jump right into a car that's been modified because we've driven it thirty times beforehand is not a big deal. Right. Versus somebody else that may want to feel that progression going from you know point A to point B. Right. So, you know, as far as the mods go. And this will bring it back to the beginning, but yeah. that Dynan 1M, I would jump into that without having driven a BMW 1M before because that Dynan 1M is so so amazing. And the thing is, is with Dynan stuff is it's not, you know, Dynan stuff is all fully warrantied. Right. It is basically their, it's almost like their high-end tuning arm of BMW, if you will. It's it's basically It's sanctioned. America's Alpina. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's, you know, there, that's the whole thing. And, and speaking of that, so there's rumor now with Holden shutting down in Australia, right? That HSV, which is Holden specialty vehicles, which is like their AMG, their M sport, right? Is going to come to the U S and start being Chevy's performance arm. So they're going to bring, okay. 
So yeah. there's some rumor about that right now. So it'll actually be a proper SS. It would be well, yeah. They're they're you know cutting the SS is a platform they're used to. It's their you know it's the Commodore in Australia. Oh no, I meant like SS as a as a performance label. Yeah, not just a not just a you know a badge and trim package with some you know performance parts on it, but like a whole arm of the company because that's what they are in Australia. They are Holden's AMG, if you will. Right, exactly. So that that would be a very interesting thing because GM's not had that in the U.S. And you do have, like, you know, AMG does make an AMG for every Mercedes, but every mm-hmm. AMG Mercedes is really thoughtfully done. Right. Now, so. now imagine if you had, you know, if you had the regular VET and then you had the HSV, or well, it's not, obviously not going to be HSV in the long run, but you had, you know, that higher spec version, or you had the Camaro, and, like, the Z28 as it is now would probably fall under that arm of right. the specialty division. And the SS wouldn't just be a badge. Right. Or the SS might be your yeah, highest man. trim level before you go into that. And then you make up a new thing like as like SVT with Ford. SVT with Ford is a great example. Right, right, right. And yeah. GM doesn't have doesn't have their own version. I mean, obviously you've got people like you've got like Oppenheimer running things at Camaro and you've got um Chad Jutra Ju- running things Corvette. at Corvette that they're crazy about performance because those are both performance vehicles. However, it's still not the quite same level of insanity that comes from an external entity a that Sonic, can do whatever they Sonic want. A Sonic SS to compete against a Fiesta ST would be awesome. That would be a very nice lineup because, I mean, the, the Sonic, ST. I think, is right there with the Fiesta as far as good little cars go. It just yeah. doesn't have that upmarket version. And folk, the, the ST, you know, it's tempting to think that Ford would have used the SVT moniker for the Focus and the Fiesta, but they told us they wanted to bring... Like that global Ford theme is completely global, so they would have used right. right. So, and I think that's the absolute right thing to do from their their exactly. standpoint. Um, I, you know, and, and GM's doing the same. And I now the only thing that would be nice is if we could get these import laws fixed, so that we could bring things across from continent to continent. You know, if it's a variant of the same car that's already being sold, I still want a nineteen. I still want a sixty-nine Holden Tirana SLR five thousand. Look it up; it's badass. It's got bolt-on flares. Well, it's a Holden. It's going to be cool. Yeah, I think it's a seventy-one actually, but yeah, it's fucking sweet. I need to check our runtime real quick and see how long we've been going. It's almost an hour. Yeah, forty-six minutes. Cool. So, what's what's new with you? What's new with me? Well. The uh, the company the podcast company Shout Engine is going like crazy right now. I noticed. Um, we have get your seen... own damn podcast, people. Yes, please come on over. Uh, you know we'll set you up for free. Um, it's been nuts. We've seen almost one hundred percent growth over the last four weeks. That's awesome. Um, and uh, things are the the rate of growth is getting even crazier. And you're monetizing uh, this stuff towards stuff like an R eight, which I uh, think is a, a great thing to do. On the long term, but as of right now, every dime I'm making on the company, I'm putting back into it. So, um, and what that means for all the folks out there listening is that you know you guys are going to get some more automotive content, and we've got some deals coming along with um, comedy people too. Some comedy science, people, science podcasts. I saw a few on there, right? Uh, I think so. I don't know. I mean, honestly, there's so many on there now that I don't even know what's going on. Like I, every time I look at it, there's new stuff. Can you say how many? Do you know how many podcasts there are now? Uh... I think we're approaching 80. Nice. Um, so, and those guys are all, you know, all those different podcasts are putting out multiple shows a week, and it's crazy. The other day, I looked at it, and uh, I was just like, oh, that's that's familiar looking. And then I go, oh, that's the Seattle Mariners logo. Uh, the Seattle Mariners just launched their official podcast on the system. Nice. So, 
you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. But, um, you know, what it comes down to for you guys is that, you know, there is we've, there's some big automotive um, properties out there that will also be coming on board that I can't make announcements on yet. Of course. Um, but uh, you will have some more automotive podcasting goodness coming. Um, and I should probably give a plug out to uh, to the Extra Mile podcast with uh, Dan from uh, Autoblog. Okay. Um, he just launched on there. He's getting things going. It's a great show. Um, you should pick it up and listen to it. It's very much, um, you know, very much in the vein of, of kind of this, um, where it's, it's a more considered podcast and not necessarily just talking heads or tangents with drunk people like my other show. Right. So, um, less, less bond hits. Yeah. Yeah. Although I, you know, I've gotten the, the guys to curtail the bong hits on, on Mike for the most part. Nice. So, you know, that's, that's important when you're trying to be professional, I suppose. Relatively. <laughs> there you go. Great. What's what's new with your car, at least? Um, well, I completely fried my brakes in the Corvette. Okay. Uh, and it is time to replace them. What pads were you running? Um, oh, it was the factory brakes. Okay. Um, but they are shot. The rotors are so incredibly shot at this point when you get on them. Um, when you get on the brakes, it feels a bit like when you get on one of those beds that you put the quarters in and it vibrates. Oh, gross. Uh, yeah, I grinds really, too. I, I did all my brake work last year. So yeah, I really fried the, the rotors on that. So it's going to be time to do, and I, you know, I, I was discussing this, uh, with the other guys, um, the other day is that, um, I'm a firm believer. If you're going to do it, do it right the first time, right? which means it's going to cost me more, but, uh, I'm going to do a caliper and rotor upgrade on that. Great. Um, and see, when shit breaks, it's always a good time to just be like, oh, I might as well upgrade. Yeah, these are lessons that I learned from modding a long time ago. Was just that you know, it's you can go a little bit cheaper, but you're never going to be quite happy with what you did. So you may right. as well just do it the way you want it the first time. Save up that little bit of extra cash, and altogether, I think it's going to like the rotors and the pads for that come out to like about two grand, and then the new um, the new calipers are like another twelve hundred. So. So for like $3,200, I'll have a set of bulletproof brakes that'll basically be good for the life of the car. And that's calipers, rotors, pads, lines. Yep, everything. everything. Big everything. brake kit. What what kind of uh, rotors are you going to be running now? Uh, I'm going to be running DBA rotors. Disc what? Brakes Australia. Six pistons or something like that? Four pistons? Yep. Six piston rotors in the... Six piston calipers in the front, four, four piston in the rear. What um, stock then? Four all around or something? Uh... Yes, four all around, which isn't the piston. The number of pistons actually isn't a good indicator of how powerful the brakes are. Right. It just so happens that I'm buying a modified set of uh, Grand Sport um, Grand Sport calipers, which is the same thing as the Z06 ones. Nice. Um, modified by who? Uh, modified by a company that makes them a bit more powerful with with tighter tolerances around the seals and all kinds of stuff like that. Nice. See, there's a Willwood big brake kit for the Miata, and I'm just like, that's unnecessary in my level. Um. My current pads, my current pads are Carbotech fifteen twenty ones, and um, there I used to have like squeaky as hell race pads, and I'd pull up to places and be like, "Hey, ladies." Yeah, I, I could give a shit about how they sound. I just want to make sure that they're going to stop. Yeah, I thought so too. And then two years later, it drove me absolutely nuts, and then I was like, "Nah, fuck it." So I bought these fifteen twenty ones, and um, they're, they they. They're honestly just as powerful as the other pads. I'll tell you what, though, these less pad, grinding too. Pads no grinding. for the like good, good brake pads on the vet are expensive. Yeah, I'm looking at like 250 bucks a set. Um, but 
you know, don't skimp on your brakes because that's what's going to stop you from dying. No, the Carbotec, <laughs> the Carbotecs aren't cheap. I used to have Axis yeah. ULTs, and I went down Tuna Canyon, and they were on fire by the I time I I can't remember the if end. these were Carbotecs or Hawks that I was looking at, but either way, I mean, yeah. they're nice pads. Yeah, um, yeah. And then the other thing I'm probably going to do is I'm going to go to the Castrol Synthetic Brake Fluid, okay. um, which is almost literally impossible to boil over. Right. Uh, and will last a very, very long time. Um, versus regular brake fluid where you'll cook it on after, you know, a couple of good canyon runs. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to do that. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's going to happen before I do anything else because frankly, I don't think I should be driving the car at the moment without Have you gotten it. your supercharger in yet? Uh, no, I'm actually really strongly considering selling the supercharger. You're just going to go with natural aspirated or are you going to? Yeah. Um, there's been some stuff, there's been some stuff that's come out for the LS3 motors over the last year or so. Some new cylinder heads and things like that that are making just silly amounts of power. Nice. Um, to the point where it's comparable to the supercharger I have. There you um, go. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see where things go. But then, you know, at the same time. Supercharger, I've been trying to get rid of it for a little while here, and, and I haven't had a lot of takes on it. So, uh, you know, if it kicks around for another few months, I may just get impatient and throw it on the car anyway. Yeah, you might as well. I uh, I installed a valve cover. Ooh. Ooh. This one's shiny. Yeah? Um, I needed a new gasket. The the current valve cover was kind of weeping a bit, so it's, it's 64,000 miles. I was like, might as well. So I bought a new gasket, and I, I sprung for the shiny polished valve cover from my friends at Project G, which is a... Um, Miata tuning shop that has been on the up and up for the last few years. They make the... <laughs> I love how they're on the up and up for the last few years. Were they not on the up and up before? Yeah, because honestly, a few years ago, like no one had. I think like two years ago, they weren't even a thing. And then they. Oh, last you mean year... as though they're up and coming? I thought you meant they had a shady past. Oh no, that's no, they're up usually... and coming. That's what I meant. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Up, yeah, no, they, they're not shady. They might have been shady. Who knows? But um, they make the famous G-string bikini top, which is like the spider, like the boxer spider looking rig thing you put on your... On your Miata? Miata, yeah. I don't it's think very I've cool. ever seen that. I'll have to look at it after this. It's basically just like a, a canvas top that goes to your roll bar. You have to have a roll bar. And then it connects to two like V-shaped uh, strips of canvas connect to where your top would normally go. So you can just kind of drive around with like that calf bikini top on it it's very cool yeah i, I don't know it's not my thing but so i can think, see think the appeal. about think of that boxer spider that came out a few yep. years ago it's like that oh no no i i understand what you mean oh, okay, it's just right, not my right. thing like to me the best miata fixed roof miata yeah no i love convertibles you know i i'm not a convertible guy when it comes to heart give me a, give me a coupe any day of the week over a convertible Fair enough. Well, at so. least at least the Miata was designed always as a convertible. Yeah, so. yeah. It's no denying. Speaking of, did you see the potential renderings that came out of the new Miata today? No, I have not. It's using the new Mazda design language. Dakota? Holy shit, is it a pretty car. I've heard from my people, mm-hmm. not Asians, who, that um, it's very, very awesome looking. And also, it not doesn't look too different from the current one. Um, this looked, the, the renderings I saw today looked significantly different than the current Miata. Okay. Um, very much like a, uh, what was it? Um, it very much like that concept they had a few years ago, but this of course is going to be sharing a platform with alpha now. Right. Um, so, or, or Fiat. Yeah. Um, and it is, it very much looks like it, you know, it's like when you look at the Toyoburos, right? Right. You go, oh, okay, yeah, I can see both companies in that car. Right. You very much see that in this in this rendering of the see, Miata. See, I would honestly buy the Alpha over the Miata when it comes out because 
Italian shit is just cool. Yeah, I but like it, the difference on this Italian shit is that this is going to be chassis by Italians, engine by the Japanese. Reliability by Which the Japanese. Which is a good thing. Let's face it, Alfa Romeo is still going to find a way to cock it up, and it's still going to be the most unreliable Japanese car. Probably. Yeah. They'll somehow build it out of like spent bottle rockets or something like that. Somehow it will still rust. Yeah. On everything. It Just will... like my Moto Guzzi will. You know, when um, it has 11,000 miles on it, and it already went in three times for uh, under warranty for valve gasket. Why did you buy this bike? Because I think it was awesome. You you think it was awesome, but you knew it was unreliable right from the beginning. Well, they fixed the valve thing. They replaced it with copper gaskets, so it's it's good to go. Okay, yeah. I I would get that. But in I think it's all really kinds funny. of writing. Yeah. No, no, no. All, the dealer has all the service records okay. in writing. So yes. Well, one I owner. Think, it's cool. So yeah, I, I I wish you the best of luck with that because I hate to see anybody I, get I burned. I do too. On. I might take up religion. Um, any religion. I I, I, don't know. I, I don't endorse that necessarily, but. <laughs> Teach their own, I suppose. I will take up Levay Satanism. Ah, see, that's not so much a religion as it is a doctrine, philosophy, yeah, of self, of self uh, fulfillment, actually. Yeah, and kind of just empowering yourself to defend yourself. He really just named it Satanism just to uh, piss people off, which I can appreciate. I like that. Maybe I'll join the Hell's Angels with this bike. That's a different thing. That is. Then you're gonna have to sell some crank. All right. And on that bombshell, don't sell crank, kids. I think that's about it for this episode of the Universe. Good talking to you, Chris. Likewise. I'll see you later on the Hooniverse Podcast. (laughs) 